Welcome to another podcast by Dr. Dennis Smith, Senior Pastor of Covenant Life Ministries. To find out more, go to lifeandfocustv.com. Hey, I, I want to get started uh, this morning. We're not specifically talking about prayer this morning for the first time in about three or four months. And uh, I felt really uh, drawn in this direction, believe it's God, uh, to move in a different direction. And I, can, I can't cover this. I can't, I can't share what I believe God has given me to share, what, what I have in my heart to share, and things I think we all need to hear. I can't do that just in one Sunday, but I just want to kind of move into it, get, get started today with these things in, in an area that I think is extremely important and practical for us uh, in our faith and allowing God to do what he wants to do in us to change us. Um, we're going to be talking about living from the inside out, living from the inside out. And there are extremes. There seem to be extremes when it comes to walking out our faith of living the Christian life. First of all, there's the extreme, there's one side that says, uh, this is about, this is about, this is about outside change. This is about changing my behavior. In order to have a better relationship with God and to do what I need to do, then it just means I need to change my behavior. I, I need to do good and not do evil. So I have me a list of do's and don'ts. And in an attempt to have a relationship with God and to move into some type of sense of, uh, a, a sense of, of value and worth and decency, then I just need to try harder. I need to go to church more. There's some things that I need to quit doing, and there's some things I need to start doing. And so that is, that's the change that comes from, that, that, that's just from the outside. We make these changes. But how many of you know that real change doesn't happen that way? Real change has to begin from within. Real change starts with the heart, the inner person. You see, living the Christian life is about changing, about heart, the heart being changed. It's not about behavioral change. And in our society in particular, much of church and much of religion is always giving us the impression and idea that following Christ is about behavioral change, right? You need to, you need to behave yourself. I mean, I, mean I, grew, I how many times have I heard that? You need to behave yourself. I knew what that meant. I need to, here's another good term. I need to straighten up, do right. And in other words, I just need to get my life in order. And you know, there's people that are just today are miserable because they're putting so much effort in that and I'm trying to do better, I'm trying to do right, I'm trying to please God. And, and they are, they're miserable. Why? Because they are unsuccessful. No matter how hard they try, they still see all their faults. Or if they get to a place to where they feel like they're really making it, then they're not because they get mean and begin judging everybody else because they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. So there's that extreme that I just need to change the outside. And then let me point out something that's rather interesting. 
when it comes to change and living from the inside out. That it begins by work in our hearts. Something happens on the inside. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. It's a work of grace. God does something within us that changes us. But for many people, they can look at situations, you know, where people said, well, I, I'm, I'm a Christian. I, I've surrendered my heart to him. I, and yet after that, there seems to be no real change in their behavior or lifestyle. Their values, their priorities. They say, well, it, it, we can't, you know, we can't do it on our own. It's not about our righteousness. It's about a gift. It's grace. God has given us his grace. It doesn't matter what I do. Well, that's not a good understanding of grace, is it at all? Grace does mean unmerited favor. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't be good enough. Grace is a gift from God. But grace is so much more than unmerited favor. Grace is God's enabling power that will change us, that changes us, that helps us to do what he's called us to do. So, yes, we need that inside change. My heart needs to be changed. But once grace has really, once I've really experienced grace and I've been touched by his grace with a new beginning, here's what will happen. The inside change will begin to show on the outside my behavior, the way I talk, the way I think, my lifestyle. And actually, if people claim to have had a real work of grace in their life, and yes, thank God for salvation, but it's never resulted in any transformation in their life, then they need to go back and check and see where they've had a real encounter and a gift of grace in their life at all. I'll talk more about this probably next, next week. But there's something going on in, in the church that's a little troublesome. In, in recent years, probably the last decade or two, there's been this tremendous movement toward hallelujah, we're free, we're free in Christ. We are free, thank God we've thrown religion aside and ritualism aside and formalism aside and now I'm just free in Christ. Thank God for that. Aren't you thankful for that? Man, I, I, I'm, I'm free from that. I've been forgiven. I am free from condemnation. I am set free. But Paul's quite clear. He says, don't use your freedom as a license to do those things that you shouldn't be doing. And that's where he's talking about that real grace, real freedom is the freedom to yield to the Lord and allow him to do in our lives what he wants to do, to become what he wants us to become. And folks, there is such freedom in that. Man, there's such freedom for you just to relax and let the grace of God work in you. Now, it takes an effort. It takes faith. It takes yielding to Him. It takes a willingness, a discipline in your life. There's nothing, discipline's not an ugly word. Allow God's grace to perfect your life. And in that, you'll see a discipline that will conform you and make you more Christ-like. One of the unfortunate things that's happened uh, in the church is with the great preaching of, of grace and freedom. And it's not about anything we can do. God has already done everything. Our sins are already forgiven. Is that there's some believers that have gotten over into the area of permissiveness 
and conformity to the world and compromise. And so they say, I, look, I've been changed. God changed my heart. I'm saved. So, you know, it doesn't matter. It, this doesn't matter what I'm doing. It doesn't matter if my words are out of line. It doesn't matter if, my, if you know, I use filthy language. It doesn't matter if I have some kind of habit that's binding me and holding me back and everything. It doesn't really matter because I'm great. I have grace. I've been saved. I've been saved. I've been saved. Look, real salvation will change you from the inside and show on the outside. Not perfect. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. But it will begin to show. Just one little clue here, one little hint. For Christians that begin to compromise in certain areas and begin to take on certain habits and behavior like everyone else, even those who are not followers of Christ, if you ever have to stop and defend what you're doing by saying, well, I don't see anything wrong with that. I think I can be a Christian and do that. That might be a good sign that you're trying to defend something that you need to lay down and forsake and ask God's forgiveness for. I think you can do that and be a Christian. I don't think it matters. I can follow Christ and still keep doing that. If it's anything that might bring dishonor to Christ or hurt your witness with others, why in the world would you want to continue doing it? Let's let his grace do something big inside of us so that it changes us and conforms us not to the world, but conforms us so that we are shaped like him. Our life becomes more. And so that's what we're talking about for the next two or three Sundays is, is being transformed from the inside out. Transformed literally means to change from one form to another. To change from one form to another, a makeover, a shift, changing gears. You know, it, it comes from the Greek word uh, metamorphothro, which we get our word metamorphosis. It carries with it the idea of outward change taking place so as to agree with a new inner self. But change is not always fun or easy. Fun or easy. I heard time about this, uh, this church board uh, having a board meeting or something, and uh, they'd gathered together and they were discussing uh, changes they need to make. And so, um, you know, so the old question always comes up is uh, how, many, how many church board members or deacons does it take to change a light bulb? And so they, they, you know, they asked, how many, how many does it take to change a light bulb? And the board responded, what's this thing about change? And there are some Christians in churches that are caught into a place to where they don't want anything to change. We like things the way they are. I've been this way for 100 years. <laughs> uh, it's okay. Change. Some people are very uncomfortable with change. Uh, they get comfortable where they are. Isn't that true? You get comfortable. You get comfortable with your daily schedule, with your things, with your home situation. You get comfortable with it. And you can get into a place where you're comfortable in your spiritual life and you stop growing, growing in your faith. Uh, some people don't change because they're just stubborn. Some have problems changing because they're trapped into a situation they don't know how to get out of it. 
Some people have difficulty changing because they are afraid what, might, what might, may happen. Some people are, don't change because it just hurts. It, it hurts too much. Other people don't change because they just don't like, the, they, they just don't have the power to change. Because change often requires letting go of one thing and grabbing hold of another. And sometimes it's very difficult to turn loose. A committed relationship to Jesus will change you. You will become more Christ-like. Now, let's look at Romans 12. And I, I, you know, we'll walk through this just for the next few minutes and we'll pick up and go on from there. Maybe next week, the Lord willing. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I'm going to read the New Living Translation first. And uh, uh, it's up on the screen, I believe. And then, and then I, want to, I want to read uh, from a paraphrase to you that I think is really interesting for us to hear this morning. Romans 12, 1 and 2, New Living Translation says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, you know, in, New, in the King James Version, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you pre- present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable in God, which is your reasonable service. The New Living Translation says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give uh, your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Verse two, don't copy the behavior and customs. Don't be conformed to the world. But let God transform you into a new person how? By changing the way you think, by renewing your mind, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Yes. Now, listen to the message paraphrase. Now, you know, I don't think you should ever use a paraphrase uh, for a Bible study. Uh, I think you need a good, reliable, uh, you need a good, reliable translation. Uh, and you should always bank on that is truth but sometimes you can take a paraphrase like the message and it just so speaks to to our vernacular to our life now that's very very interesting let me share this with you from the message bible 12 romans 12 1 says so here's what i want you to do god helping you take your everyday ordinary life you're sleeping eating going to work and walking around life and place it before god as an offering get this Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You will be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants you what he wants from you, and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you that's always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings his best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. Wow. That's his work of grace inside of you. That's changing from the inside out. Have you ever maybe got up in the morning and you got on and, and you're in a hurry, you got to be somewhere and you're getting dressed and you put on your shirt and then you're out somewhere maybe shopping or at work or school or something and you happen to notice that you've put your shirt on inside out. Um, and you can see the seams. You got this big old tag hanging out behind you that no telling how many people have seen before you realize that you're wearing it on the inside out because there's something about the inside that when it shows it makes people feel vulnerable. 
And, and yet, as Christians, we want God to do such a work in us so that, that that inner spirit, that inner attitude, the change of heart shows in us. God wants to work in our lives from the inside out. I heard someone put it this way. When God created the world, he created it right side up. Genesis says everything he did was good. It was perfect as creation. We didn't have storms that destroyed property and all this stuff. And we didn't have sickness or poverty or anything. When God created the world, he did everything very good and perfect. So it was right side up. That's the right way. God did it. And then God designed humans, man and woman, to live inside out. And by that we mean they didn't live by a code of rules and regulations. Their life was designed and led by what? by their relationship with their creator. It was all about their life relationship with him. It was about listening to him, hearing him, following him. It was about God's life flowing through them. That was how God designed man to live. But then when man disobeyed God, rebelled against him, sin caused people to live outside in. In other words, everything shifted then to the material. It's all about material. It's all about performance. It's all about superficial. Ah, but then Jesus came to turn the world upside down. He came to restore back the kingdom of God here in our lives, his power, his purposes. He came to bring, he restored that. In other words, you remember Paul and Silas uh, were, you know, remember what they said about Paul and Silas? Uh, what was said about them? Those that were pointing the finger at them and what was upset about what they said. Look, these men are turning the world upside down. Well, hey, that's a great thing because Jesus came uh, to turn the world system upside down. But in all reality, what Jesus did is he came and put things back right side up the way God in originally intended them to be. He restored what had changed through the enemy. So very important. And God changes us now from the inside out. Four things this morning just to kind of guide us through the next couple of weeks. It's what we need to Study and see and, and ask God to, to work, do a work in our lives is this. One, a transformed heart. Two, a transformed mind or attitude. Three, a tra transformed words. Four, transformed purpose and mission in my life. So let's begin at the starting place, which is where we have to begin, and that is that real change starts with a heart, a transformed heart. Real change starts with a new heart, not a new leaf. There's, there has to be real change on the inside. Jesus, you know religion is a horrible thing. Actually, I hate religion. It kind of sounds strange coming from a pastor. But, but, you know, years ago, especially in the early years of this country, when you mentioned the word religion, it was synonymous with Christianity. Here, not so anymore. Religion can respond, can actually be about any belief system or faith or organization. 
in the church. The church has suffered tremendously over the last a generation or two because it has moved more and more toward just simply a relationship rather than a real life and uh, toward uh, religion and ritualism rather than a true life that you have in Christ. And religion is all about extra change. Remember what Jesus said about the, the, uh, the religious leaders, the Pharisees and, and the, the, uh, those who were uh, scribes, Pharisees, teachers of the law. And listen, he didn't pull any punches. And, and if you're going to find a strong word spoken uh, to someone in the Bible, most of the time you're going to find Jesus speaking to religious leaders. We could say in, in our term, kind of church leaders of that day. And one time when he saw them, he said, he, he said, you hypocrites. Now, if he'd been their pastor, he would have probably been run off. But he said, you hypocrites, you bunch of snakes. Now, this was tender, loving Jesus that said that. But you understand, love can be very forceful and strong at times. You don't sacrifice truth. Love is to be spoken in truth. So, Jesus said, you bunch of snakes and hypocrites. He says, here's what you are. He says, you're like a a, a tomb that is beautiful and painted that is beautiful. But inside, you're full of dead people's bones and rottenness and filthiness. And he says, you clean up the outside, but the inside remains dirty and filthy and corrupt. He says, what it's about is you must clean up the inside first before you look to the outside. And so this, this hypocritical thing can be a very dangerous thing, and it was for the Pharisees. Now, uh, when you become a new person, Jesus uses the term Nicodemus where he says, you must be born again. Nicodemus says, what, what, what do I need to do, Jesus, to, to have eternal life, to, to, to enter your kingdom? You must be born again. It was a little confusing to him. What do you mean be born again? And Jesus said, you must be born anathem from above, or we say born again. That's a born of the Spirit. That's a supernatural work. Listen, the new birth is a miracle. Is a miracle. It's a miracle. So when you have church folks or Christians says, well, I just don't believe in miracles anymore. Well, that's too bad. Because a new birth is a miracle. When you respond to his conviction and call in your life, and you say, Lord, I open up my life to you Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Come into my heart. I surrender to you. When you do that, God responds in his grace and you become, according to the Bible, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, you become a brand new creation, a brand new person. Here's what it says. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. See, I believe that when you talk about salvation, sometimes it's a little bit confusing to people because salvation is both an encounter and a process. See, before you came to Christ, there was a process, a road that took you there to realize you need to make that decision. But that's not where it ends. Well, I'm saved, hallelujah, now, now I'm just gonna make it the best way I can till I die and go to heaven or Jesus comes. Oh, we're missing 
we're missing so much of what salvation is all about. Once you are a new creation, then you've got purpose. You've got a whole life that God's going to give you out there ahead of you. And God has designed it so and such that when you are born again on the inside, then he's going to start a process inside of you to take you where he wants you to be. And folks, that's a place of fulfillment and blessing and purpose. And so many folks get saved back here and come to Christ, but it's just kind of like there's a cutoff date and to be continued when I get to heaven. That's not the way it is. It's a process. God begins to grow you. We call it discipleship. What we're looking at when we talk about transformation is what, how do we learn how to allow God to transform these parts of our lives so that we become more and more what he's called us to be. Folks, there's a miracle in the new birth. And you can know whether you're a believer or not. Well, I'm just not sure. The Bible says that he's given us his word, that these things were written. Jesus gave his life to us. He died on the cross for us. The gospel is written so that we may know, K-N-O-W, so that we know, know beyond a shadow of a doubt, we may know that we've been saved. If you have any sense of, of, of fear uh, and, and you're insecure in that, then just stand on his word and know that if you've made that decision, stand on it. Believe him for his word. Know what you're saying. If you're continually troubled and convicted by it, it may be the Holy Spirit saying, you know, you never really made that decision and surrendered to me. I've got something miraculous I want to do in your life that will turn your life around. In fact, it'll give you a brand new beginning. Super important. See, what it's kind of like Lazarus. You've heard this before. It's kind of like Lazarus, Jesus' friend, you know, that had died and been placed in a tomb for some four days. And Jesus shows up, but, but uh, Lazarus' sisters, uh, Mary and Martha, they're kind of upset because they said, Jesus, if you'd just been here soon enough, he wouldn't have died. Lord, if you had just been here. And Jesus said, um, and Jesus, it moved Jesus. Death and the, the death that came upon his friend and this loss and separation, which was a result of sin and the enemy, when he heard about that happening, it moved Jesus. He wept over it. He knew that wasn't supposed to happen that way. It wasn't the way God designed it. So he says, oh, Lazarus is, uh, look, Lazarus is not dead. Lazarus is not dead. He, you know, Sleeping besides the, res the resurrection. I know, Lord, he'll be resurrected on that day. And then Jesus said, it's not about that day. It's about me. I am the resurrection and the life. And then you remember he crawls forth. We read about it. It's exciting. But wouldn't it be neat to have been there? You know, God's power is still available like that today. Wouldn't it be neat to be in situations like that? I think it, we'd never be the same. Lazarus. If he was from the south, he'd say, come on out of there. And then coming out of that tomb, you begin to see. And Lazarus is not coming out as this really strong, good-looking guy that's coming out, you know, and isn't coming out in the tomb with a little bit of a swagger. No. He's kind of coming out like this. He's still bound in grave clothes. And so he's just kind of moving out like that. And so... What happened with Lazarus is that he, he received life, but he was still bound up by things. He was still limited. He was still bound by those grave clothes. 
When you come to Christ first, born again, changed, it's like, come forth. You are now alive. But what has happened is the world around you and life around you has wrapped so many things around you that you've conformed that the world is still around you. You are in the world. I mean, you were, you were exposed to so many things and you, you, know, you understand that you had a sinful nature and there's still part of that there, that, that, that carnal nature that God needs to continue to deal with and change and, and sanctify and cleanse you. And so what happens is once you come to Christ, then begins the process of sanctification or Christian growth and maturity. And what's going on there is what? As you take steps and allow him to transform you, as the, the grave claws begin to be taken off and removed. And so you become more and more and more and more like you are supposed to be walking in freedom and fullness, truly alive on the outside, just like you are on the inside. So some people are Christians that are still walking around all wrapped up kind of in their grave claws. And it's so important for us not to do that. Ezekiel 36 says, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. And that's what happens when you get born again. Ephesians 2, 6 says, God has raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Ask you one question this morning. Are you absolutely sure? And this is not to point fingers. This is not to try to make people feel uncomfortable. Are you absolutely sure about your relationship with God? Are you 100% sure that all is well with your soul? You 100% that if you were to die today, you'll be with him eternally. Are you, do you have that deep down assurance that Jesus lives in your heart, that the Holy Spirit lives in you, and that God is going to walk this out through you as you live for him? Are you sure about your faith? And you know, I, I grew up in a lot of little churches and little southern churches, country churches and all those kinds of things. And, and in that, there was a lot of what we always call, called hellfire damnation preaching, you know. And so, uh, and look, hell is real. Separation is real. I mean, you know, it wasn't God's plan. It wasn't designed for you. It's designed for those who reject him. Uh, it's designed for the devil and the demons, but for those who reject him, unfortunately, that's their plot, who reject Jesus. But... Uh, as it's, it, you know, we hear, you, these, I can remember listening to preachers and revivals that it, it looked like when they pointed a finger, man, it went, you know, it, it was this long. I mean, just come zeroed in on you. And, and when they'd really get wound up going, you know, there's also a little saliva going out here or there with that. And it was just, it was holler and scream and, and, you know, get right with God, you know, turn or burn and all of this. Look, take seriously, take very seriously what happens to people if they do not turn to Christ? Take sin very seriously. Take hell very seriously. But the gospel is good news because we have been given a way where we can be delivered from that. We don't have to experience that. We can have a brand new life in him, free from condemnation, free to live for him, and with a home in heaven. And there's absolutely no good reason for anybody to miss out on that. Now, I hope there's not one person in this building that for whatever reason, 
Maybe you've been upset at someone or maybe you, you know, you've seen a Christian that wasn't perfect and maybe you feel unworthy yourself. And maybe there's just a fear that you put there. Maybe you're afraid you can't live up to expectations of what a Christian is supposed to be like. You kind of, all kinds of things going on inside you as to why you don't make that one sure decision. But I'm gonna tell you, today, we have this day. We have only this day. We have only this moment. And you, today, don't let this occasion, don't let it pass you by. Don't leave this building this morning with that being absolutely certain that your sins have been forgiven and that you're a new creation in Christ. And look, if you're not sure about that, then it's a good opportunity today for you to make that decision. And even if you're not prepared to be baptized after that, when we come down to the end of our time of the baptism, anyone that says, I want to receive Christ, I want to turn to him for my forgiveness, I want to be a Christian, I want to follow him. Look, what an awesome thing. Everyone must make that decision at one time or another. Yes or no, we're going to do that. Well, um, <clears throat> my, 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 my. <clears throat> I've got so much more that I think will help us. But I, I tell you what, that, that launches us into some things I think God wants to speak to us. That's, that's some very practical things about how God, through the power of his Holy Spirit and through the power of his word, he can begin to change us from the inside out. And what happens in that is our whole thought, our thought patterns and our mindset changes. And also what happens is our vocabulary, our communication, our conversation changes. And then from that, our lifestyle begins to take more and more a shape, a shape that looks like him and that honors him. Man, I can't hardly wait. I can't hardly wait. There's some things here that, that really are so powerful, so good, so strong that, that will just help us in dealing with some of those things in our lives. And I, I think that God wants to, I'm going to wait till next week to do that. But, but listen, it starts here. Whatever needs to change in your life, he's the one who will help you do that. He's the one who does the work of grace. And then as we simply follow him, call on him for his help, his strength, get his word inside of us, walk yielded to the power of the Holy Spirit in us, the Holy Spirit regenerates or changes us and shapes us. For the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at how God shapes us in some of these areas. And, and I think it's going to be something really good for every one of us. I know it is for me. I pray it is for you. I want us to pray together before we go any further. <clears throat> and then we're going to move right into the worship and then the water baptism. So would you stand with me? <clears throat> Transform from the inside out. Whatever God does on the inside, that really changes you. But then it begins to show. It starts showing on the outside. We're going to talk about that in the next couple of weeks, I think. I think we're going to learn some good things. Amen. Amen.